welcome back to the After Contract Hours podcast, the show where we clock out at work to check in on the well-being of the world. Thank you so much for being here with me today, and as always, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast if you feel even an ounce of inspiration or validation, or if you just know someone else who could benefit. Your support is the heartbeat of this podcast, and I am forever grateful for your presence. Today's health education category that I am checking in with you is occupational health. Occupational health isn't just a profession that one could explore. It's a cornerstone of our collective well-being. It's about fostering the highest degree of physical, mental, and social wellness for workers across all occupations. In this episode, I'll be sharing personal stories about my journey in occupational health, tracing back to the early influences that shaped my intense career ambition. I'll walk you through the defining moments that set the stage for my career goals, the challenges I faced, and the keys to success that propelled me forward. But that's not all. Stick around for a segment on navigating through those times when you might feel lost in your career. We'll explore actionable steps to reignite your passion, find your purpose, and forge a fulfilling path forward. So whether you're on your way to work, taking a break, or winding down after a long day, join me as we clock out together and dive into the world of occupational health. Hey guys, welcome back to the After Contract Hours podcast. I'm so happy to have you and dive right into our occupational health episode. This is the first um, episode that I'm doing on this particular health education content area with occupational health. Um, I think it is a comprehensive health education topic that certainly is not talked enough about at all in a classroom setting, in the K-12 through classroom setting in particular. Um, you would think that it would be talked about much more in a college classroom setting because we are going to college to pursue a career in the future. Um, but even when I was in college, I don't remember talking about the health aspect of occupations, right, in career. So um, I think it's really important to touch base on it. So I wanted to briefly mention my background in occupational health and my career achievements just to give you a little bit of insight before we dive into specifics of this episode. Um, So my career achievements, I've achieved my dream job that I've had ever since I was five years old. Um, And to me, a dream job is defined as a paid position that aligns with my interests, my skill set, and my work style, um, making it ideal, the ideal form of employment that I would go after. And being a teacher is something that I, quite literally since I was five years old, if not younger, have always wanted to do. It's like I knew at that age that it was my calling, that I was called to do it, I was meant to be a teacher. In fact, I remember being that young age and asking for a chalkboard from Christmas or um, a teaching wand or pointer that teachers used to point at the chalkboard at whenever they were highlighting certain things that they were educating their students about. Um, Red pens for grading things. I mean, I asked for all of it at such a young age and Thankfully, from uh, from both of my parents, I received gifts to fulfill that dream at such a young age. I remember having all of my stuffed animals, like I would put them in a group on the floor in front of the chalkboard and I would literally like stand in front of the chalkboard and I would write stuff on the chalkboard and 
quote-unquote teach my stuffed animal students and I would name each of my stuffed animals a student's name and I would even give out homework assignments and I would take like computer paper blank paper and I obviously me because stuffed animals can't write things I would take like five pieces of paper acting as five separate students pieces of work for homework and I would like answer imaginary questions for like pretending to be the duck student and then the bear student and I would then use my red pen and I would count things wrong and give the paper a grade and I would have one-on-one conversations (laughs) with the student it was just makes me giggle remembering it because I I really do I remember it I remember my mom bought me stickers that I could put on the homework assignments that got a perfect score like smiley face stickers or a star (laughs) like I was heavily invested in this career at a very young age so very it was a very cool feeling like looking back at that now at age 32 um and remembering the passion that I had at such a young age to become a teacher and then you know hindsight 2020 looking today looking at today like I've been a teacher now for eight years nine including like my one year of substitute teaching in full so it's a it's a pretty cool it's a cool feeling um And I do know that not a lot of people know what that's like, you know, not many people have the, that aha moment of the light bulb going off where you're like, that's what I meant to be doing for my career. Like, that's my purpose. That's what I'm supposed to be doing with my time. And that's how I'm supposed to be investing my energy and getting paid to do, right? That's my dream job. Like, not many people have that experience until maybe later adolescence, um, if, if at all, there are a lot of people also that I know that have never had that aha moment and still to this day being middle-aged are lost and still wondering like what the heck am I meant to be doing for a career? Like my, my long-term role on this planet, what am I supposed to be doing that I'm getting paid for and helping as well and contributing to the greater good in society. So I I do for sure have many of moments where I pause and I reflect and I just am so grateful to God that I am one of the lucky ones who knows what that feels like and I I don't take that for granted ever. Um so I like I said I landed or no, I didn't say this. Um I landed my dream job of teaching pretty much right out of college. Again, something very very fortunate that a lot of people may not experience and Right when I graduated from my university with my degree in um, health and physical education, K-12, through I substitute taught for one year and I had like, I landed like a full-time, a long-term substitute teaching job and I, I did that for about, I guess it wasn't a whole, a full year. Um, I substitute taught for about half a year, but I did my research and I knew that I wanted to teach in Muntsville, Missouri. Um, I, I did my student teaching out there and I fell in love with it. I knew a lot of people in that city and I just felt like that would be a really good home for me with my career. So the school that I got the long-term position in was one that I also knew was in need of a PE teacher the following year. So I did my research, I did my homework, I knew that I needed to get my foot in the right door And I'll dive into that later in this episode. But just, again, general background. Um, 
because of me doing my research and networking and connecting the way that I did, I I definitely believe wholeheartedly that that, that is what helped me land my dream job so quickly out of college. Um, and I don't know if that's the case for other careers out there, that it's pretty difficult to find a job right out of college. Um, I know some jobs it's super easy because, you know, for example, healthcare, you know, they are in constant need of employees and new people. Um, but in the PE and health education teaching world, it is very, very difficult to find a teaching job. So I am very, very fortunate and very blessed and forever grateful that I got my gig when I did. So that, that was really awesome. Um, really any job that I've ever wanted though, like prior to teaching, I have authentically earned. Things were never just handed to me. Um, and I, I, I say that with zero ounce of conceitedness or cockiness. I am saying that with genuine confidence that I have any job that I've ever wanted, I've earned it because of the hard work I've put in to achieve those jobs. Um, and when I say other jobs, I did not have a career prior to teaching cause I was in school, um, and then a teenager, and then high school, and then younger. So when I say other jobs, I just mean like when I was 13, 14, when I was first allowed to work, um, I had a vision of exactly what jobs I wanted to have for my first jobs. And I went after it, and I accomplished all of those things. And then that that type of situation continued to work out in my favor as I progressed through my teenage years into high school, and then high school into college, and then like I just said, from college right into my dream job. So it's been a really beautiful thing. Again, nothing that I take for granted, but something I want to just touch on um, as we continue in this episode. I will elaborate upon how that was possible for me. Um, another like career achievement, when I say career achievement, another one of those is um, a position that financially supports me in my cost of living. Now, LOL, teaching not so much. That is not a career that will um, easily support you in your cost of living. So uh, yeah, that I mean, I think that's a, a known from everyone. Uh, you definitely need some hide, uh, some side hustles with a teaching job if you are single and not um, depending on an additional income from a spouse or a partner or your family. So I definitely had a lot of side hustles that were appropriate, nothing inappropriate by any means. And we'll touch base on that later. But um, all in all, like today, my eighth year into teaching, I am in a position where this career financially supports me and my cost of living. Um, it's a it's difficult to not have a side hustle officially. I finally am only just at a point in my life where I'm teaching and I'm not doing all these side jobs. I've never done that before in my life. I finally am. And it's not easy to just rely on my teaching paycheck, but I am in a much better financial position because I've gotten um, educational advancements that increased my salary. I got my master's degree. I got my master's plus 30. And then I am currently about to finish my PhD. So that will advance me in a little bit of ways financially as well. So um, again, it's been a long journey. It's been over the past eight years. I have increased my salary, which has been nice, but it's still a little bit difficult. Um, 
So yeah, the last thing I want to say really before we dive into the rest of the content is that, guys, this episode will be broken into six segments with the intent of keeping the content organized and easy to follow for my listeners. I've noticed on previous episodes of mine that I tend to repeat myself a lot uh, or I may ramble about something that doesn't need as much time dedicated to it. Some people I'm sure could care less, but other people... Like my father, who just liked to listen to the bullet points and get to the point and educate me, I could see where that could get really annoying. <laughs> so I'm learning and evolving with this podcast and my creation. So thank you for your patience as I continue to adapt and make changes. Um, so like I said, six segments. And I'm going to try to keep it as organized as possible for you. So let's get started with our first segment, which is Early Influences on Career Ambition. Early influences in shaping my career ambition really took place at, um, I would say, like my elementary aged years were when I kind of latched on to, you know, taking a liking to what I saw being modeled around me, so to speak. So, for example, you know, my parents were divorced when I was age five, but they both were hustlers. You know, I never had the sense that my mom or dad were um unsuccessful I was always well taken care of um and I'm I'm very very grateful and fortunate for that as a kid of divorce um parents I both of them always worked hard to help support and make sure that my I was nurtured me and my brother were nurtured mentally emotionally physically taken care of um my mom had jobs she always had a job and um, but she was married pretty quickly after a divorce. So was my dad. Um, and so she had financial support with my stepdad at the time. Um, and But she still always had a job. And, or She always wanted to have a job. But if she didn't, financially that was okay for us at that time with her side of things, with my stepdad. Um, but she... Was her full time job really at that point was to be a full time mom, and she I'm so grateful for that. Looking back on it, um, because now myself being at an age today where I'm ready to start trying to have kids, I would love to have a career where I could work from home and raise my kids the way my mom had that time with us because those are years and time that I'll never get back and just. Years and times that many, many children don't have with their parents. So we are very fortunate to have had a mom that had that opportunity for quite some time in our childhood. But like I said, if she was working, she had she she enjoyed working. She liked to have a job and have fulfillment. And she always had random little jobs. Lots of times she worked at the schools that I attended as, you know, um, a recess monitor, hallway monitor. Like she was so popular in my schools. <laughs> I loved it so much. I loved seeing her there. Um, or she would work at a local bank or a local garden center. Um, I mean, she's just a dental hygienist. She's had so, a plethora of jobs. And so she's, she's always been um, a model to me at a young age to, to work hard, right? Whether that's at being a good mom and providing and making your kids feel nurtured and loved or financially, like just hustling when she had to, to make ends meet. Um, whenever she got 
her divorce from my stepdad. Like she was definitely in that situation of having to hustle and get work and provide for me and my brother as a single mom. Um, so, I mean, she always was working really hard and did what she could at that time in survival mode. So that was always modeled to me from my mom. Um, my dad, on the other hand, he was always a businessman and someone that modeled to me hard work in like a career aspiration way. Um, like if I had to pick one of the two parents to talk about and highlight about really inspiring me with career specific things, I would say my dad, because I watched him rock his career of being a businessman for years and years and years and years. I mean, he always had the fresh suits and fresh tie and good shoes and a suitcase, briefcase, going off to work in St. Louis. And my dad did big things and he worked at a big corporate building. Um, I remember like when I was in elementary school, like he would take me to work with him once in a blue moon. And I just remember being in awe of the corporate building that he worked in. It was massive, like your typical at least to me at that young age in elementary school, like skyscraper buildings, super tall, all glass windows, like, and to me, that office, that big building setting equaled success. Like my dad made it. I had no idea how much money he was making. I didn't care, but he looked the part um, and he did a dang good job at, you know, making ends meet and and providing for us. So not only was my dad a model of success with his career, um, he, I don't know, it's just like, he always pushed me academically and athletically, he always was working hard and challenged me with my ambitions, like, he would, he really took the time to ask about my passion when I was a kid, like, he knew what my favorite subjects in school were, he supported me with projects, and so did my mom, not to say that my mom did not do those things, so did my mom, of course. Um, but like when they were divorced, I was with my mom more often than I was with my dad. But when I was with my dad, he was very intentional about making sure like my school came first, my sports, you know, my health, my well-being, like, all that stuff. Um, and I just remember like that being a primary focus whenever we had time with him. And my mom, uh, she, she really modeled um, the emotional ambition side of me like she really invested because she had more time with me than my dad like I said so she not only would of course support me with my schooling and stuff like that but she really raised me emotionally and got me in touch with my emotional intelligence and compassion and like you know people skills so to speak and that at the time I didn't think that that really mattered when it came to a career but she 100% with those aspects developed me into who I am today with my people skills, my communication skills, my nurturing abilities, my compassion, my all of that stuff. So my dad really, again, had me on my like business side of stuff and really had me locked in and laser focused on, you know, a future and what I wanted to do. And my mom also cared about my future and would ask about that periodically. And she definitely cared about my passions and interests but she she really was the one of the two parents that nurtured those skills in me about being a people person so I just had I really like I said at the time I probably didn't realize it and or appreciate it but looking back on it they both 
raised me and provided me with such powerful skill sets in completely different ways that molded me into who I am today, which is incredibly powerful and beautiful. So thanks, Mom and Dad. Love you. Um, with my mom also, like, she made me work hard with chores. You know, she really instilled a sense of worth ethic with chores. And I remember, like, every other weekend I had to clean. And I mean deep clean and at the time as a young teenager I probably hated her for it at times but like today I can appreciate her so much for it because she made us clean big time my brother and I so mom didn't really not that mom didn't clean she was the tidiest cleanest person ever but um she pretty much made sure that my brother and I had all of the crevices in the house covered when it came to splitting the chores so like I was responsible I remember for cleaning my mom's room so I had to dust her dresser and her tv and when I say dust I mean like pledge and a rag and windex and paper towel like we really had to get rid of all the filth and grime and um so I was responsible for her bedroom like cleaning her nightstands her dressers her tvs her mirrors anything of the sort uh vacuuming stuff like that so I had her room um I would have the bathroom I don't remember if my brother and I split the bathroom or if we just took turns each covering the entire bathroom ourselves every other weekend I don't remember that part of it but I I always I know that I had to clean the bathroom a lot um so that in entailed like the shower you know really spot cleaning the shower scrubbing all the crevices of a shower the items in the shower right like the shampoo bottles like wash off the bottom of the shampoo bottle because there's like that pink mildew moldy stuff like I mean we had to clean it big time and then like sweep vacuum mop the bathroom floors mirrors countertops all that stuff and then my bedroom uh, and then my brother would have like his bedroom in the living room in the kitchen something of the sort and we that would all just be kind of rotated through but like we pretty we did we covered every crevice of our home um we had poop patrol with our pets we you, you would have to take turns and pick up the dog poop in the yard every day or, you know, alternate weeks. I don't remember that schedule, but I remember that being a chore. And, you know, today to this day, I don't have a home yet, but I have an apartment and I am such a stickler about picking my dog's poop up. Yes, I'm guilty of a handful of times of not picking it up if it's like raining and gross out. But for the most part, like I pay attention to that stuff. Like I really care about having a clean home, sometimes to a fault. Thanks, mom. For that, um, I can get obsessive and I can get really stressed out if things are not clean, which I don't like. Sometimes I need to relax big time on that. But um, yeah, but she has really instilled that chores, work hard for um, things that bring you happiness. And I never got an allowance. Um, like my mom didn't pay me or my brother to do all these chores. It was an expectation. It was just part of our lifestyle um, that in order to achieve happiness in a way of fulfillment like living in a clean safe space that was that was your reward for cleaning was having a clean welcoming home that you're proud to bring friends over to to have company with um to just go relax in and so again like fast forward to today present day I cannot do my homework I cannot do any of my my career work if I'm in a filthy or untidy environment it's it's miserable because I was raised that um to believe that a clean environment equals peace and serenity so if I don't have that or if I don't feel that I have that I feel the opposite and I need to do something about it so 
she really instilled that in me and I'm glad that she did because I'm very proud of my apartment. I'm very proud of how well kept my environment is. I'm always proud to have people come visit if, if I ever do. Um, I know I'm a recluse these days, but if I do have friends over, I am very proud to have people over and um, I enjoy being clean. And I'm very grateful, might I add, to have a husband who is just as clean, if not even more intense with cleaning and having a safe, healthy space to operate within on a daily basis. Um, because that's truthfully, that was like one of the first things I knew I fell in love with about him was that he matched my energy with cleanliness and working hard, you know, with that stuff. So like, again, my mom really helped cultivate that skill in me at a young age and work hard without expecting anything in return financially it was just you're earning a good feeling as a result right so uh moving forward um other influencers in my life that shaped me early on were my coaches and my teachers like my athletic coaches track and cross country and basketball were my main three sports when I was in elementary school and into high school and I always had great coaches that believed in me and they were honest with where I was struggling which made me very receptive to constructive criticism and they were really great at complimenting me on my strengths and making me very aware of my strengths just like my parents did academically right that you know my mom would always say things like dang Court, like you have a knack for writing and speaking and spelling and grammar and all of these things like you would be an outstanding writer someday or speaker and my dad was really good at the logistics of make sure you're holding your pen and pencil correctly so that you are writing legibly and that people want to read your amazing writing skills, right? So they went hand in hand. It was awesome. But my athletic coaches really, really shaped who I am in a lot of my work ethic. Um, I was a captain of my high school track and cross country teams for several years in my high school athletic career. Um, and that was a beautiful honor. I love nothing more than to be in that role. And my head coaches really hyped that up for me all the time. I really felt loved. I felt seen. I felt validated. I really felt like I had a purpose being on that team and, you know, quote unquote, leading my teammates and helping them and supporting them. It's almost like I felt like a little assistant coach when I was in high school. Um, I don't know if my teammates felt that way or if they were annoyed with me. Probably a little bit of both back then. <laughs> but I really loved being in that role. So that was really awesome. Um, uh, another influence that I had that might seem kind of weird um, and bizarre is, you know, my bro my older brother, I have, only, I have one brother, biological, and he is three and a half years older than me. And he's always been a hero to me, you know, growing up like he was – very smart in school. He's super social. He had so many good friends, like social support. Um, he was insanely athletic, almost to a point where I hated him for it, like, because I was so uncoordinated when I was a kid and could not do anything remotely as well as my brother could. Um, he could literally just pick up anything and be rated a, rated a division one level athlete like it was disgusting so I always admired him um, I always felt like he didn't have to work hard to achieve much like it just came very naturally to him athletically academically socially all that stuff and I really admired that about him um, 
until around the age of 12, 13 for him, maybe even 11, I don't quite remember, but he started to go down a really bad path and got into a bad friend group and went down a a path of self-destruction essentially with poor decision making um and addiction. So that went that went really south for him unfortunately and me being the younger sister, I watched that and how that evolved into such a miserable circumstance for not only him of course I can't imagine but also our family and the side effects right so that was really bad and I just remember that was an influence on me luckily to be the complete opposite um you know a lot of people have been through my shoes with addiction in their family and unfortunately go that same route themselves with addiction and dapple in some very poor decision making and unhealthy choices that get them in a dark place um but it scared me so much when I saw what was happening to my brother and I was actually very well sheltered from what he was doing and what he was going through my parents did a really good job at like sheltering me and keeping the depths of that poison poisonous information away from me but I still knew like I'm a very empathetic person I always felt and I knew that not good things were happening with him um, and I would see him and I, I felt it directly as well. He was very, very mean to me when I was younger and, you know, not to knock on him. He's an incredible brother and I'm so in love with him today still. And he's forever going to be my hero. Um, but at the time, yeah, like I hated how he treated me when he was in that space. I hated our relationship. I hated him or so I believed and wanted to, right? Um, And I just knew that I wanted to be nothing like that. And I didn't want to make anybody in my life feel the way that he made me feel. So I was intentional about using that influence on me to be the complete opposite. Um, So that that definitely was part of my work ethic and part of my early influences in shaping my career ambition. And like I said, teachers um, and coaches, like my teachers in high school, really motivated me to explore my passions. I remember always loving my health and PE and fitness teachers. I really latched on to their teaching styles. They all they all were like the funny, cool, down-to-earth teachers of our high school that everyone just bonded with and loved. And I just remember always de- desiring one day to have that same type of impact and connection with people like my teachers in that content area had with me and others around me. So that was really beautiful for me. Um, I fell in love with that particular content as well, the fitness, the health, the wellness, the PE, all of that stuff, because I loved sports. I was very competitive. Um, And I, yeah, I just, I knew that that was my favorite subject in school. Um, And also learning like through sports that I loved fitness and I, I personally loved working out and I loved learning how to grow and be a better athlete. And then with a combination of my parents always telling me about my skill set with people skills, you know, leadership from my coaches, all these things just kind of hit me like I need to be a teacher in this content area. That's it. Right. Um, So that was just a really, really cool chapter of my life, like now kind of talking about it and reflecting on the evolution of shaping my career ambition from when I was merely five years old up until high school. That's really how I um, knew. That's what went. That's when I came to know that being a health and physical education teacher is what I was meant to do. And having both of my parents one hundred and ten million percent on board and validating that, like, really set 
that path for me. Like I knew, okay, like if my parents agree and the support that they were giving me, like, you know, that's, that's where I knew that's what I have to, I had to go after. So, um, that is a pretty good transition point into the next segment, which is setting ambitious goals. So in this second segment, I really want to talk about how ambition can be a driving force for success. Before even talking about becoming a teacher for my career, I do want to rewind to mention the jobs that I earned during my teenage years that also set me up for tremendous success with achieving my dream job so early on. Um, So defining career ambitions or setting ambitious goals, I want to kind of set the stage for that. So for me, when I was a teenager, my career ambitions, like let's say high school years, right? My career ambitions, even at the young age of 14, a freshman in high school, right? My career ambitions were going to college to be a health and PE teacher and get my dream job. Well, I obviously knew that I had quite a few years ahead of me before I could even make that dream a reality. So I remember always thinking to myself, what can I do now? What skill set do I need to develop now that will help me to become a teacher um, in the future, right? So I knew that I needed people skills. I needed customer service um, per se. Like I just remember thinking that a customer service job would help to grow my people skills And in general, just work experience for my resume so that whenever I start putting myself out there for things that I truly wanted to do and um, that would get me where I wanted to be, I had a resume to show for it, right? To create um, a portfolio essentially for myself and to showcase myself. Now my dad, I have to give him all the credit for that because he was the one in my life that was really, really good at educating me about the importance of building a resume and what do you have on your resume? What does it look like? Well, getting this kind of job won't really do much for you um, if this is your end game goal. So let's kind of reevaluate this, right? He would always challenge me with that and really sat me down and helped me to um, put that you know, resume goal into existence appropriately for what I wanted to do. So for him and for that, I am eternally grateful because I, I owe him my success tremendously for that. Um, but yeah, so back then I just remember thinking like, what can I do now to get me where I want to be down the road whenever I need to be there? So I thought about all the jobs that I could do. I considered my age. I was only 13, 14 at that time, a freshman in high school. Um, and where I lived at the time, a, you couldn't work or get a job until you were 15 and had your worker's permit. So I felt defeated at first with that. Like, oh my gosh, I was so ready to start working and doing all the things and make money. I also was told by my parents that if I wanted a car, I had to pay for it myself. So that was communicated to me early on in my teenage years and I knowing that I knew that I had to get working soon (laughs) like I knew I had to start making money and um yeah that was a big motivating factor for it so knowing that I had to pay for a car was really big for me um but also where I lived at the time the town that I lived in and went to high school was very very small which looking back on that was very helpful because I I got around without a car literally until my senior year like I didn't 
pay and get a car until I was like 17 or 18 years old um, because cars are expensive and I'm pretty sure my dad even helped me like to pay for it a little bit but I mean I was working a lot. I worked my entire high school career um, and if that just puts things into perspective that I still didn't get a car until my senior year. Thank you again to dad who did all the research for that car because I still remember that car and it was the best thing ever. I was so proud of it and I was so grateful for you. I remember the picture you took that day and you driving it to me. Oh my god, it was the best. Anyways, getting ahead of myself there. Um, But yeah, I just knew that that was something that I needed to work for as well. So not only was I motivated to develop skills to be a teacher and to accomplish that career ambition one day long term, I knew that I had a short term goal of getting a vehicle. But like I said, I didn't need a car. So if it took a longer time to make money to do that, like that wasn't an issue because I walked pretty much everywhere. Um, You know, I walked to school a majority of the years in high school. Um, in elementary school, I was able to walk to my jobs that I had in high school from my house. I lived very centrally located in the middle of town. Um, so it was, and it was a safe time back then to where I felt comfortable walking and my parents trusted me to do that. So it was just a good time. I was very active and, um, yeah, I got around and was able to make it work. But when I was 14, I remember that I didn't have my worker's permit, but I was playing basketball at the high school as my freshman year, and I really latched on to a teammate of mine. She was on the varsity team. I was just on the freshman team, Um, but, like, we would sometimes practice together, and I really latched on to her, and (laughs) she had just the best personality. She was so loving. She was not intimidating at all for an upperclassman. Like, she was the complete opposite. She was very inviting and helpful, and I could tell that she really took pleasure in being a mentor of mine like she just she latched on to me she taught me the way with basketball because running was definitely my cup of tea I loved basketball but I was very uncoordinated for a long time so I was not great at it so she really helped keep my spirits high and not to quit basketball you know she just she was amazing and she did track and cross country also so she just was amazing um, all around for me and a great mentor when I was in high school. I loved her to death. Such a good person. And she's doing great in life today. So shout out to you, Chacha and Shasha. Love you so much. We had stupid little nicknames for each other. She was amazing. So I owe a lot of my success to her um, when I was age 14 because she was, what, probably 16 or 17 at the time. And she worked at our town's grocery store as an employee. So I remember me talking to her one time and saying like, I really want a job. I have to pay for my own car. I just don't even really know where to start. And she was the one that was like, oh my gosh, like you need to work at this grocery store. Like I love it. They're really flexible with our, my school schedule. They would be so, you, I mean, you know, you're, you're just like me. They're going to love you, your personality. And it's just a great place. Like there's so many people from our school that work there. Like you'll meet so many people too, whatever. Like she hyped it up. And she was like, go with me one day after, after practice, like I'll drive you with me when I go to work and I'll introduce you to the manager. And then you can just walk home after you talk to him. Cause I have to work and I can't take you back home. So, uh, she did that for me. And also side note, my brother actually also had worked for this grocery store. So, um, I knew that that was a good foot in the door, even though he didn't have a great experience working there cause he was making stupid decisions. Um, but I did just have that connection. I kind of had like a reference in a way 
that I had a family connection that worked there. Um, but then also my friend, Sam, she was really good at introducing me. So she took me, that's what she did. She took me to the grocery store after practice one night and introduced me to the manager and, you know, the manager right away. I don't remember verbatim how that conversation went other than he told me straight up, like, how old are you? Okay, you're 14. Like, sorry about it. You you don't have a worker's permit. Like, I can't, you know, hire you here. And I remember that being really upsetting to me because I was so passionate about getting a job. And I like, why wouldn't you accept somebody that wants to work? Especially, oh, dear God, like, think of today's day and age. I feel like nobody wants to work. And like, back then, it's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to be busy. And I was so upset. Like, I was rejected, essentially told, like, now, no, later, yes. Wait until you're 15. Next year, you can come apply. We'll have a job for you, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I went home discouraged and I, I don't remember the timeline of events, but I do remember that my girl Sam spoke to the manager and she worked her magic and I, I just went back up there and I, I kept trying to pursue getting a job. I was so gung ho on getting that position at the grocery store. Also side note, I remember when I was like a kid, younger elementary, like whenever I would go to the magic house in St. Louis, my favorite part of the Magic House is working at the grocery store and pretending to be a cashier and, like, scanning all the food <laughs> and working the register. So weird. I don't know why I loved that so much, but I think that was also a big reason why I wanted this job so badly because I wanted to fulfill that <laughs> lifelong dream of mine from being an elementary kid. So I just was. I was in relentless pursuit of getting this job, and I don't know how often I went back up there to try to get my foot in the door and build a connection but I did do that and again my friend Sam really helped encourage me to keep getting in there like come up and visit say hi like show your face get your foot in the door you know talk to the manager check in on him and I remember that I was hired prior to getting my workers permit because I was so relentless and he pretty much just finally gave and was like okay fine you know you're in luck we have a position in the deli Um, and you can work there. Like, so I was hired and it was the best feeling in the world. I want to even say that it was kind of like a high almost like I was told no for, uh, you know, the dream job that I wanted at that time in my life at age 14. And I was so upset initially, but instead of giving up, I just made it a, a new career ambition of mine at age 14 that I am going to get this job, whether they like it or not, like it's going to happen. It's what I want. It'll make me happy. I want to be with Sam. I want to be meeting new people that I go to high school with that work here. It's going to happen. And it did. And I hope nobody thinks that that sounds cocky. I mean, for God's sake, I was 14 years old, but I just remember believing in myself at that time because I did. I had the I had that, um, I had those types of people in my corner often. I am very grateful for that. I had a very motivating family. I had a very supportive family and friend group and coaches and teachers. And I definitely think that helped shape me into having that relentless pursuit type of mindset. If I didn't have a motivational family or a hardworking family, I highly doubt that I would have that in me myself. So you are what you hang around with. And that's what I was around constantly. So I definitely give great thanks to my family and friends who were those mentors for me in life. So I got the job and I did. I worked at that, uh, our town's grocery store for my entire high school career, freshman year all the way through high school. And I absolutely loved it. And I did exactly what Sam, my friend, 
and my mentor, my upperclassman mentor, told me what happened. I met a lot of people that went to my high school that I never would have known otherwise, that were older than me, that I connected with. I met people in my own grade that I just never became friends with and then became very, very close with and had another great support group of friends. Um, We had so many awesome shifts together. Oh, it just brings me so much joy remembering like working there. I absolutely freaking loved it. And I loved working in the deli, the adults that mentored me in that first job. I remember like being made fun of by an adult because my closing shift, I had to mop the deli floors, which were an absolute disaster, by the way, because we were frying chicken. Like there was just flour all over the floor, grease. Like it was disgusting back in the kitchen of the deli. And it was like one of my first shifts. And I was like, okay, so I have to mop. And I remember asking like, can you show me how to mop? Like I mopped at my house, but it was just like a little Swiffer, right? And I vacuumed and like I said earlier, my mom put me to work big time with cleaning, but like I've never used an actual mop and a bucket and certain soaps and cleansers. So I asked, I was like, yeah, like you got it, but can you show me how to do this? And I remember the the lady who was teaching me or training me that day was just like, are you kidding me? You don't know how to freaking mop floors? And I was like, no, I... I well, yeah, I guess I don't. Like, show me, <laughs> you know? And she gave me so much crap for that. But uh, you bet your bottom dollar, those floors were sparkling at the end of every shift that I had because I knew how to do it officially. Um, but even that's another thing. If I didn't know how to do something, I wasn't afraid to ask for help. Like, I I spoke up immediately and said, sure, like, if you want me to do this, show me how it's done so that I know that I am doing what I need to do, right? So that's, I think that's a huge part of being ambitious as well as you have to be open-minded you have to look for feedback you have to ask for help and validation to ensure that you are doing your job correctly and so I was doing that at a very young age and I loved it had so many freaking awesome memories working in that grocery store had my first like real boyfriend experience he was amazing and you know such a good dude and introduced me to a lot of people so it really did it took it took off like with my identity it really helped shape a large part of who I am today and again also gave me wonderful memories so shout out to that grocery store for that chapter of my life so that was my first job at age 14 worked there my entire high school career so just to give you perspective starting at the age of 14 when I was a freshman in high school this was what my daily schedule during the school year looked like I'd wake up I would go to school all day I would immediately have a sports practice after school whether it was cross-country basketball or track and field So I'd, you know, school would get out at 3.05, I think. I'd have practice until 5. And then I'd have to be at the grocery store working at, like, 6, from, like, 6 to 9 or something, like, or 5.30 to 9. Like, I had a, you know, part-time schedule that worked out really great. So I would literally get done with practice. I would run home, like, physically jog home after practice. I would rinse off in the shower really quickly, put on clothes, and then I would ride my bike or walk to the grocery store on the other side of town. Remember, I lived centrally, so that was, it wasn't too far, probably a good, like, two miles away from my house um, at the time, so I would ride my bike, and then I would work the rest of the night, get home around 9.30, 10. Um, I always had a friend from work drive me home because I didn't have a car, and then I'd go to bed, wake up, and repeat. I worked a lot, um, at least 20 hours during, you know, that time of my life when I was just 14 all the way through my senior year. So I I loved it, loved making money. It made me feel good to see that paycheck. Um, 
So that was my schedule during a normal school year. When summer hit, um, I also got a job lifeguarding when I was 15. So, you know, summer going into my sophomore year was when I first got hired for another job. So I kept my grocery job and added on lifeguarding jobs. So my summer schedule looked like waking up at 5 a.m. because we'd have cross-country practice in the morning at 7. Um, and then practice would get over at, you know, 9, 9.30. I would immediately walk to the park and go to the pool and put on my swimsuit and lifeguard for five, six hours, sometimes the eight-hour shift. Um, and then I'd get done, and I would literally ride my bike to the grocery store and work the closing shift and then go home and then wake up and repeat. I loved Loved, loved, loved that schedule. In fact, it was probably, looking back on it, an addiction. Um, like you know, I mentioned in a previous episode that I was clinically diagnosed as a workaholic, and I believe that wholeheartedly with a lot of the behaviors that I exude, my mentality. Um, and as beautiful as it is to have ambition, it also can be abused. And even though I didn't know it when I was a teenager, I 100% was abusing it. I loved being busy, and I think the reason that I loved being so busy back then was because I was trying to avoid being around the chaos that, you know, my poor brother was going through with his addiction and the horrible stuff that he was experiencing and watching my family just, you know, be so upset and deal with all that constantly. Um, I didn't like being around it. You know, like I said earlier, I'm an empath. I feel, I absorb everybody's emotions around me, and so I hated being around that and feeling that. So if I could be out of the house doing something productive and healthy for myself and be the opposite of what my brother was going through, right, that initial goal of mine, um, I would make it happen. And so I cultivated myself into a workaholic at a very, very young age, which showed, you know, negative results in my current adulthood that I'm navigating right now. But back then, I loved it. I lived for it. Um, I don't remember ever being like extremely unhealthy back then, like having all that energy and passion at such a young age. I could handle those schedules so, so, so easily. Um, Now in my 30s, I don't want to handle that busy of a schedule, but I still love being employed and I still love accomplishing goals with my career like I did back then. Like that has not changed. In fact, it's probably gotten much stronger, if anything. So I think part of, you know, being told that I couldn't get the job at the grocery store initially was um, instead of like wallowing in self-pity and being upset about it, I just constantly told myself like, watch me. It's going to happen. Um, and so I adopted that mentality very young and that carried through the rest of my high school career and it, it really paved a path for success with me. Um, I did get a car, like I mentioned, my senior year, and I'm so grateful to all my friends that would pick me up for school if it was bad weather. That kind of went out of their way. I still remember that to this day, how grateful I felt for people because I don't think a lot of my friends ever walked to school. It was just us, which I'm not knocking either. Like my parents or my mom for like making us walk like that was not a problem. I enjoyed walking to school, but on bad weather days, I really appreciated the families that could pick me up and take me, but it was a dream to earn my car and finally have that my senior year and that freedom. And it just was a really, really good feeling. So kind of like backtracking to how my mom raised us with chores, you know, you're not getting an allowance, kiddos. Like, you're doing chores to earn the feeling of 
peace and calmness and cleanliness and enjoying the environment and being proud of the environment that you live in, that kind of training that she instilled in us definitely carried through with the car, right? Like this time I was earning money for working hard and it really paid off and it made me feel good when I was able to get that car. So that was just a really great chapter of my life. Um, And that's going to segment into our third area of the episode of Overcoming Challenges. So advancing on into my life, like my college age years, taking what I learned all through my high school chapter with ambition, development, and goal setting at a young age, I, when I went to college to become a teacher, I was also on a scholarship to be a track and cross-country athlete, which was incredible. Um, Some of the best memories of my life uh, held me accountable, kept me responsible. It was just fantastic, and that can be a whole other episode about being a collegiate athlete and what what prosperity that can bring you. Um, But I absolutely had challenges that I faced in regards to working and rejection and whatnot. So this next segment, I just want to touch base on what that looked like for me and how I overcame that rejection and hopefully kind of instill some insight and wisdom for you if you are looking for a job or are currently facing rejection in any way, shape, or form with a job, what that could look like. So um, challenges that I faced with my career when I was in college is, you know, like I said, while, you know, my career when I was in college was being a full-time student. That was number one. Um, but like I said, I was addicted to working. I really enjoyed that busy lifestyle. So that same schedule from high school that I was go, 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 definitely transferred over into college. I would wake up, um, I'd have morning practice at like five, 6 AM for cross country and distance running with track. And then I'd go to all my classes throughout the day. And then I'd have practice at 3 PM with weights, um, and whatnot. And then I would have a job in the evening like an actual job that I made money at. And so when I first got to college my freshman year, I had no idea what I wanted to do per se for my first job, like in the big world while I was a college student. Um, I think I just, like, I talked to my dad a lot about it because, again, I really looked up to him with career-based stuff because he was a great model for that. And I think he advised me to just kind of look around, you know, popular places for young adults to work at is the mall, you know, you know, you, you like to shop or you like clothes, like maybe look around for that. And so at the time, the mall in St. Louis that was near my college, um, was popping. So I researched online what jobs were open and, um, I, I thought about places that I shopped at and Body Central back then (laughs) was, my jam and I really wanted to work there because I thought, ooh, not only would I be making money, um, you know, and benefiting from income, but I'd also most likely be getting a discount at my favorite store. So double whammy, right? So I remember I applied there, like I shopped there all the time and I knew the manager well enough to where I felt very comfortable in person being like, hey, like, can I apply to work here? I would love to work here. And I, I was very confident just going up to people Again, due to those communication and people skills that I developed from my high school chapter of working, um, I developed confidence in asking for something that I wanted, right? And so I would just be like, hey, 
I don't remember his name, but I'm like, hey, can I can I get an application? I really, really want to work here. Like, I don't know if you're even hiring, but please, please, please give me a chance. And he was like, right on, like, go online. Here's the website, apply. Well, I really, really felt like I was a shoe-in to getting that job because, again, I was a regular customer there. I gave them my money all the time, and I genuinely had enough of a relationship built with the manager that I thought that I was a shoe-in and that I was going to get the green light. So I went online. I've never had to fill out an application online before at this point in my life, again, as a freshman in college. So I was, like, navigating this online application, and most of the application was a um, – like a Likert scale where it would ask you a question and you had to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 of how you would handle that particular situation or question. And I don't remember what the questions were. I know a lot of the questions were like if there were if there was a customer that came in and you assumed or, you know, suspected that they were stealing, how would you handle the situation? And, you know, one being you would do absolutely nothing and let it slide or 10 being call the cops, right? And then everywhere in between that we could choose from. Well, I didn't, I I just remember not knowing how to answer all of those questions because I'd never been in that situation. So most of my responses on that survey were like the middle, right? The middle ground, like five or six, like on that scale. Well... Come to find out, I did not get the job. And I was so, I got notified via email that I didn't get the job. And I was so upset. Because, again, I had so much confidence, genuinely, that I was a shoe-in to get the job. That, like, it just was a big blow to my self-esteem. Like, what? And admittedly, like, I I had success all through high school with getting the jobs that I wanted. So I was just shocked that I had my first no, like, realistically. So it kind of was an ego, um ego buster so to speak so I but I was I was really upset so much so that even going back to that store was embarrassing like I didn't want to run into the guy and like face the rejection um hugely I did not want to go through that but I also there was a big part of me that still loved that constructive criticism and I wanted to understand so I remember going back to that store I don't remember how long after I was informed that I did not get the job that I went back to the store to shop but Nonetheless, I did. I ran into the manager and I I did. I went up to him and I asked. I was like, hey, like, can you help me understand why I didn't get the job? Because, of course, the email rejection was just short and sweet, just very generic and vague saying that I didn't get the job. Sorry. Thank you for trying. Try again in the future or something like that. So there was no explanation as to why I didn't get it. And so I asked him and he very clearly educated me that the reason I didn't get the job was because my answers on that survey with all the scales were not clear enough one way or the other um, to the question. So he just said, like, you answered in the middle for so many of the questions. That doesn't really tell me much about how you would directly handle those particular situations. And I need substance and context to work with. Um, And so I said, for the future, if you ever do apply again down the road, make sure you heavily lean more towards one end or the other of the scale. So... Shout out to that educational piece of my life and to those of you who may be looking for a job while in college or in high school. If you get some of those um, applications and um, surveys that you have to fill out, take 
note of what I'm saying because that was really powerful and truly from that experience if I've ever had to fill anything out with a survey I am always at one end or the other now because I learned from that rejection and it really spoke volumes to me and I'm so grateful that the manager took the time out of his day that day when I visited visited the store again to educate me on that so I got closure from it and that made me feel a lot better um with that rejection it wasn't like I you know, was left on red and confused and ghosted and just felt like I was a piece of crap and my self-worth was destructed because I didn't get the job. I, you know, I, but I also took the step to go find out why I didn't get the job. Um, I, I, you know, they didn't call me to tell me, like I said, like I still had enough ambition in me despite the rejection to go and learn what happened. And so that really helped me. So after that, um, I knew I liked the mall setting and, you know, a lot of people were working at the mall that were my age. And so I pretty much just looked online again and found another job at another clothing store, which is funny now because looking back, it was at a clothing store that I would never be caught dead shopping in because it was business clothes and like really nice, you know, upscale quality business clothing for women and I was not in a position in my life as a freshman in college to own that clothing (laughs) like I wasn't a teacher and I wasn't thinking about my future being a teacher um you know even subbing like I'm gonna have to dress nice but I wasn't thinking that I just picked the job the next the first job that I saw available and it was a female specific job with clothing and I just thought whatever I'm gonna go for it I did. I got the job. And even though I wasn't a fan of the style, I freaking fell in love with the people that I worked with and they became mentors in my life still to this day. You know, 11 years later, like some of those employees were at my wedding. Like I still keep in touch with them. Like they were just some of the most wholesome individuals I've ever met and ended up becoming mentors in my life. So it was a fantastic experience. I think I remember quitting that job simply because of my schedule. My athletic schedule was pretty intense. Um, and I just couldn't really manage that those hours anymore because sometimes I would have to work an overnight shift at the mall because we had to – I don't remember what it was called, but we had to like pretty much – it was when the whole mall was closed. I mean, we'd work until midnight – pretty much like restyling the entire store like it was a new season of clothing coming in so we had to switch out all the signs and the colors and all that um and I just couldn't do those shifts anymore it was too exhausting on my schedule but so quit that job but that also leads me into another barrier that I uh, faced in jobs in college because I was really bad at quitting I was not a quitter I hated it so much and Um, I was very passive aggressive back then. Like I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And so I remember I worked at Dave and Buster's for a little while too. Um, that might've even been before the mall actually, now that I think about that. I think that was my very first job when I got to college, just whatever was available. And I thought it'd be super fun being a hostess. And then I worked in the game room, like how cool, but those hours were ridiculous. Like, I mean, I was working until 1.32 a.m. at times, and that's that was my first job, yes, now that I remember it. And I could I absolutely could not maintain that schedule with my um, school uh, in athletic endeavors. So I, I quit that job, but I hated it. I remember I think I – I don't know. I, I mean, back then I wouldn't be surprised if I lied about why I had to quit because I just didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and I was scared to quit, and I was passive-aggressive. But that just wasn't a fit for me. Um and then 
I got the mall job, loved it. But then when I learned I had to do the floor set shifts, that's what it was. That's what it was called. The floor set shifts, overnight shifts at the mall. I couldn't do that anymore, so I quit that. Um, But I never quit a job unless I had another one lined up. My dad really instilled that in me too, making sure I knew that, like, you're not um, scrambling and not making any income, right? So uh, thank you, Dad, again for that, for instilling that quality in me because I was very intentional about doing my research first before I stepped away from a job. Well, at this point in my college career, I had made a bunch of friends and one of my girlfriends, um, she was a waitress at Texas Roadhouse by our university. And I remember being over at her apartment one night hanging out and we were talking about her waitressing job and she had only been working there for a short period of time, but she was raving about how good the money was in the tips. And I'll never forget it. She opened her wallet and I mean, it was, we counted it and it was like $900 and that was I think over after like two shifts, two or three shifts like that week, she had already had $900 of cash on her. I was mesmerized. I just remember my jaw dropping and I was like, I need to work where you work. Like, please get me a job there. So that was a networking opportunity, right? Like another networking thing. I knew somebody directly that worked somewhere that I wanted to work. And so I was very intentional about keeping in contact with her about that topic. Like, she was one of my best friends, so we talked all the time, but I did not let her forget that I needed her to help set me up an interview at that restaurant, whether they were hiring or not. Like, I I don't know if they were hiring. I don't know if, I don't remember if she told me that they were, but I just kind of remember that same feeling that I had with that grocery store situation when I was in high school that, like, I wasn't allowed to work there, right? They weren't hiring. They weren't in need of me at that time, but I'm still going to make it happen. So I kind of had that same feeling and ambition. And I remember she did. She, I went to the restaurant with her on a shift that she was working one day. She introduced me to the manager and, um, that's how it got set up. He set me up with an interview and I got the job. And so I worked at Texas Roadhouse a majority of my college career, Um, and then I like unofficially, I guess, got fired from that. I was never told I was fired from that job. Also, I've never been fired from any job in my life. So that was a big ego blow because it was like no closure and very confusing. Long story short, what happened with that is Ballpark Village in St. Louis just opened. It was this big hype place downtown St. Louis that me and my friends in our college years just knew would be a very, very popular place to make money for serving. And so one of my best friends that also worked at Texas Roadhouse, which, fun fact, like all of my current best friends in my life that were like all in my wedding, I have like 20 bridesmaids in my wedding, no joke, that can be another episode someday, Um, like more than half of them I met at Texas Roadhouse. Like that was just such a wholesome environment to be in and, you know, employed at at that time. It's just so cool. Anyways, Ballpark Village opened and one of my really good friends from college and at Texas Roadhouse wanted to go explore a job there and so she ended up getting a job down at Ballpark Village so she temporarily quit Texas Roadhouse to pursue that job full-time at that point in our lives and she was raving about the money she loved it so I really wanted to go down there and pursue it not that Texas Roadhouse wasn't giving me good income but I just again part of that like addiction like any opportunity to get a new job, it was just like a high for me. Like even if I didn't truly want the job, I, I just loved that feeling of success and achieving that success. And so my friend got a job and I it was a pop in place. So I wanted to try it. Um, but 
my friend who got that job also still from time to time would pick up a shift at Texas Roadhouse. So it's not like she quit entirely. Well, I communicated to my manager at the time at Texas Roadhouse that I wanted to do the same thing. And I did get a job at Ballpark Village and, you know, I was told that I could come back after training and pick up just like my, just what like my friend did, right? Like I was given that same opportunity, like go pursue that new job um, and then you can always reach out and pick up shifts here still if you want, right? So I did that. But long story short with Ballpark Village, it's kind of like another Dave and Buster situation. Like I loved it. It was really fun. But the hours were awful. And, like, that was just something I didn't care about whenever I was being interviewed. I was told, like, hey, you're going to be working really late nights in downtown St. Louis. Are you comfortable with that? And I was like, absolutely. You know, like, I just wanted to be told that I was good enough to get the job. You know, as sad as it is, I was low-key, I guess, searching for validation a lot in my life. And that's why I became so addicted to working because I I received a lot of validation. Um, And that wasn't very healthy because it it got me addicted to work. But – um. So yeah, during the interview, I just said what I wanted them to hear because I wanted to get chosen, and I did. I got the job, and I ended up not liking it after a couple of months. Like it was, I wasn't getting home until four a.m., and that was just serving, right? Waitressing. I wasn't even bartending. I wasn't doing a job that would, you know, like bartending in the service industry. Like you're naturally working much later than most servers in a restaurant. So. I wasn't even doing that and I was still not even getting home till like 3 34 a.m and then also having to like walk to my car downtown St. Louis that late I just felt very uncomfortable like it didn't feel good and my dad was like get out stop working there I'm like okay fine so I before I quit fully I remember I messaged my manager on Texas Road or from Texas Roadhouse on Facebook to like just triple check right like making sure I still had that gig to come back to before I quit this one I was told absolutely come on by, we'll get you back on the schedule. So I quit that job downtown and I went back to Texas Roadhouse and that's where I say I was like unofficially fired because I was never told that I was fired, but like she would not hire me back and it was so bizarre, like would not communicate. Like I physically went back to the restaurant, like the manager was working and she avoided me like the plague. It was so weird. I don't know what happened, but I basically just gave up. Like she wouldn't talk to me and I don't know what occurred still to this day. Never got closure on it, but whatever. Now, that was the first time in my life that I was like, oh, dear God, I don't have a job and I need to start. Like, I need a job. I need one, right? Like, I I thought I was responsible in having this lined up, like, and it, it failed me. So um, instead of wallowing in pity, even though that was really upsetting to me because I loved that job at Texas Roadhouse and – I was very confused as to why someone potentially like didn't like me like what did I do something that offended you like what the heck happened that I'm unaware of right that you're just not giving me my job back even though I have a message proving that you said that I could come back and try to get on the schedule it didn't make sense to me and yeah it did hurt but I had bigger fish to fry I needed a job like I was now unemployed Um, and so I instantly went job hunting that same day and I got a new serving job that day, uh, right by my house. And it was, how old was I? Probably like 22 at that point. And I'm 32 today and I still pick up shifts at that place. Like I love it so much. It's such a, a wonderful environment. I love the manager. They've always been so good to me with my schedules and obviously the long-term goal is to not have to serve anymore for, side cash and side income but like I just love that place so much that it is almost just a fun freeing thing for me to do 
and I loved it. So still to this day, a wonderful, wonderful place. Um, and that was a beautiful feeling to, I could have been panicking. I could have been really upset that I didn't get my job back at Texas Roadhouse. I could have been really jealous that my friends still work there. Um, but I, and I'm sure I felt that for a little while, but I didn't let it hinder me in going after a new path. Right. And so like, that's just, I don't know, that ambition that was instilled within me at a young age, it still set fire to my soul back then and to this day. And I, I went after it and I got a new job. So, um, on this topic of like overcoming challenges, the best thing I can say is rejection is redirection. Um, I wasn't meant to be at Texas Roadhouse anymore after like five or six years, which is fine. I found a new place that was even better that grew me in so many more ways and adapted my skill set even further that helped me get my dream job whenever I graduated college and it built my resume more. So it was really fantastic looking back on it. Um, but I just, I did, I didn't, I didn't victimize myself for too long. I'll say that again, I'm sure I felt really upset at times when I was rejected with that position, but Um, I didn't sit in that space long. I didn't allow myself to sit in there. But I also had support. I'm sure I called my dad and my mom and they were in my ear like, pick yourself up, get out there, right? And that helped very, very much. And my friends helped. It was just really great. And fun fact, like a lot of my friends that I met and became so close with at Texas Roadhouse actually ended up leaving there down the road and working at the restaurant that I newly became employed at so it just became our new safe haven and it was really really cool so (laughs) fun chapter of my life but that was how I overcame challenges with rejection when it came to my career um, in my college life going into my post-college years um, luckily I was not rejected when I had my first interview and that's that can be a whole nother story someday but I when I graduated college I instantly started my master's degree and substitute taught for a little under one year in a school district that I loved and at a school that I knew needed a PE teacher in the next year because one was retiring. So I had done my research, I networked, I connected, I did all the necessary steps. I went out of my way to bring my resume to schools that could probably care less about me, but I put myself in those situations anyways because I wanted a job, I wanted my dream job, and I was going to get it, right? So I just had that workhorse mentality um and yeah I I did what I needed to do to learn where I needed to be when I graduated college and so I did get a long-term sub job at the school that I needed to be in in order to get that PE position I networked I asked questions I built a relationship with the the office staff at the school the principal the PE and health department teachers like I just really navigated the things that I needed to do um, in order to set myself up for success. And I think a lot of people uh, who are on a job hunt fail to do that piece of it. They fail to put themselves out there. Um, they're fearful of rejection. Um, like I could have been rejected with my resume, like handing my resume to the secretary the first day that I did at that school. They could have been like, oh, this is awesome. But like, uh, I don't take resumes. Like you'll have to do it another time or, you know, stuff like that. But I, I wasn't. I went in there and I said, hey, like, could you give this to the principal if you see her some point at some time? Whatever it was. I don't even remember verbatim, but like I went that extra mile and two miles and ten miles to communicate and network with who I needed to in order to learn and grow and evolve 
into the person I needed to be to get the dream job that I knew that I was meant to have, right? So very, very fortunate in how all that played out for me because once I had that long-term substitute job position, that also built my resume more. And then that next school year, um, I interviewed and I got the job for the health and PE teacher at the building that I wanted. So it was truly perfect. Um, and I did not face rejection in that sense, but I'll, I'll forever remember the day that I got told by the principal in the parking lot that I got the job. I jumped in her arms and was so, so happy. And still to this day, she is my head principal. She's amazing. And I owe so much of my success in my career to her. Um, love her. She's such a wonderful and strong woman and a tremendous mentor. And I've grown a lot with her over my eight years. So that was really, really cool. So I guess really um, that kind of leads into my fourth segment, which is like keys to success. And I kind of already touched on that with work ethic and networking and dis- like discipline, right? That's a new one. Um, having the discipline to do hard things, right? Like I, I just mentioned it. I could have taken the easy way out and just applied online for the teaching jobs and waited to hear back. But I I would send emails to the schools that I was applying to. I would physically bring my body into the office of a building that I hadn't even met anybody at before at certain school districts. I would just personally go in, show my face, and hand in my resume to the secretary and walk out. And, like, no, I didn't get jobs at those buildings, but that's just what I would do to build connections and network. And I I stumbled across really awesome mentors along the way that got me in the perfect places that I needed to be in at that time in my life that paved my path to success with getting my dream job. Like that all, all of those things that I did really helped me to be where I um, needed to be with my dream job and the discipline to keep going and keep researching and keep connecting with the people that I knew could help me was was very important I had to be very intentional about doing that um, and putting in a lot of hours of extra work to put myself out there even though I most likely wasn't going to get any gain from it right like I just put yourself out there and whatever happens happens like I know I'm not getting paid to put myself out there I'm not getting you know anything major out of it but it's, it's worth the risk and it's worth putting myself out there to see what can happen even if a lot of times it didn't happen so um I think work ethic and discipline are very very important and also just the continuous learning and adaptability right staying curious and open to learning when rejection happens are keys to success so you know like I said earlier, like don't just wallow in self-pity. It's okay to feel the feels of rejection and to be upset. A hundred percent it is. And you need to do that. That's important. But how long you allow yourself to stay in that mindset with your career rejections or upsets is going to be the difference between you moving forward and advancing um, one step closer to your dream job or being stuck in getting further away from that moment that you want so badly uh that's just that's just a huge indicator how long you choose to stay in that that victim mentality right um adaptability contributes to long-term success like learning from those rejections and asking questions like I shared with my mall job like I intentionally sought closure like what you know can you help me understand like ask that question can you please help me to understand why I didn't get the job. If they email you and tell you you didn't get the job, I'm so sorry. 
there's no harm in shooting an email back and just saying, thank you so much for the information. I appreciated my time with you. Can you please um, take a few moments to explain or elaborate why I wasn't a good fit just so I can understand and learn moving forward? That is going to be huge because you could still use that person as a reference on your resume. Um, They can still help you get a job that you want, even if they weren't the job that you thought you needed at that time. You can still build a great connection with that person and that company and whatever occupation you're looking for. You can still build a healthy, sustainable relationship, even through rejection. That's another thing that that's a good point about how adaptability in hard situations can contribute to your success long term. Um, So with that being segment four, keys to success, I would say work ethic and discipline and then continuous learning and adaptability moving forward. So these next two segments, uh, segments four and five out of six total, I'm just going to merge together because they kind of are one and the same. Um, Segment four are just some keys to success on this journey for you and segment five which is kind of like inspiring you with some final thoughts in a way and then I'll make my last segment separate from this my sixth segment so segment four and five like keys to success first I really want to focus on work ethic and discipline two terms well essentially three work ethic and discipline are three words but work ethic being one and discipline being the second term that I want you guys to really hear me on, okay? And I don't, I struggle to understand the lack of work ethic and desire to, you know, grow and do hard things in today's day and age. I'm not saying everybody is like that, but, um, you know, being a teacher, I'm just going to be quite blunt. Like, I see it all the time, no matter what grade level you are, middle school, high school, Um, And even some college students, I've heard other college professors kind of vent about it, just like the lack of work ethic and and discipline. For example, in a school setting, a lack of work ethic is, you know, a student potentially just being really lazy on their assignment and um, not doing it either at all or just doing it halfway or just being very, um, uh, what's lazy I keep it just the only word I can think of in their answer so for example if a question says provide two to three sentences on you know metamorphosis whatever I'm just making something up and a student only writes like three words well the question asks for two to three sentences so technically that question is wrong you know just little things like that that really build up every type of behavior that we put forth into existence and out and you know out into the universe is going to start to build our work ethic and we can have a really crappy work ethic or a really strong one. And it's okay if you don't have a really strong one right now. It does not mean that we're doomed for the future, but you need to start getting that reality check that that's not going to get you far in life um, with that mentality and with that type of behavior. Uh, I mean, unless you have a great situation already planned out for you in life and you have your future already mapped out and you have things prepared for you, then that's a different story. And if that is you, you probably are not even listening to this episode. Um, But work ethic is very, very important. Like meet, meet the criteria, meet the deadlines of what is expected for you to get done. So if you're a student, meet the due dates for your assignments um, and meet all of the assignment criteria. Discipline falls into that, um, 
into that mold as well. So discipline to get your work turned in on time. If you have a due date for something, whether it's you being a student in school or you're an adult already and you have a career already or a job and you have deadlines you have to meet um, or with your family, you have events that you have to go to, you know, there's discipline in getting there on time, right? Bringing your kid to school, daycare, all of those things. Um, It's just important, you know, craft those skill sets early on in life and it's going to take you so 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 much further and then the more people see that you have these skill sets in you the better reputation you're going to build and the better reputation you have the better resume you're going to have um, in place for you whenever you are ready to turn that in for your dream job sorry my dog keeps (laughs) shaking and scratching you okay perfect all right lay down you're doing great um So work ethic and discipline, two very, very, very important terms that we need to think about when we are talking about keys to success and just kind of an inspirational uh, thing that I wanted to touch base with you on. So the other thing is in this segment that I want to touch on is continuous learning and adaptability, emphasizing the importance of, you know, staying curious and being open to learning. Guys, you know, being closed-minded and a, you know, it's my way or the highway attitude again is a factor that or behavior that will not take you very far in life you need to be willing to learn and explore new things you may right now be in a position that you are not thrilled with with work whether it's your actual career or a part-time job while you're a student in school you may not be thrilled with it um and i i also am an advocate on the other end of the spectrum like if you are totally miserable you know, in the work that you're doing, then get out, right? Like if you're starting to see a job is taking an actual toll or an absolute toll on your well-being, then leave. It's not worth it. You can find another job part-time in the meantime to keep you afloat financially. Um, and if and if we're so close-minded to that statement to think, no, there's not, there's no way that I can find a better job right now, then that, again, that does, that's you being closed-minded. You need to do your research ask questions, network, and something better and healthier for your well-being will arise. You just got to put the work in and the time to find that stuff. And I think a lot of people don't want to do that. And so they'll just stay miserable in a, in a job. So being open-minded, um, you know, quit if you're absolutely miserable. But like I said way earlier in the episode, you know, try to always have a plan B before you quit so that you're not struggling. Um... How adaptability contributes to long-term success, learning skills in early on jobs will pave the path for your dream job and, you know, add to your resume. So like I said in the earlier segment about how all of my high school jobs and my college jobs, like all of those jobs really, really paved the path and developed skills for me that contributed to my teaching success, right? The people skills, the personality development, um, the, you know, transactional skills I learned with a computer and all that stuff. Like, believe it or not, a lot of stuff that I learned was serving and waitressing and working in retail really strengthened the human that I am and was whenever I went after um, my dream job of becoming a teacher when that time was right out of college. So just a few things to remind you about, like keys of keys to success, guys. That's really important that you latch onto and that you can hopefully – um, refer back to if you are struggling and in doubt of what your next steps are and if you're, you know, 
looking for tools, you can uh, think back to this free little toolbox. So the last segment that we're going to transition into now is practical advice for career navigation. Like I said, this is our final segment of this episode. So if you've hung on with me this long, I appreciate you so much. And let's get into it. So this particular final segment, um, I actually have on my notes that it's for guidance for people who may feel lost in the career endeavor or journey that they're looking for. So I have quite a few tidbits that I've put together based on my experience, based on what I've learned from other people, you know, in our conversations and dialogue in the past that I think can be really helpful if you may be somebody that is just completely lost and unsure of where to start, what next steps to take. Um, I mentioned that I was fortunate when I was at a very young age to already kind of know what I wanted to do and I had a clear path and I had that support and I had the mentorship. So I don't really know what it feels like to be lost. So if that is you, I cannot relate to that. However, I have done enough um, work experience in my life and have met a ton of people who have been. In fact, a lot of those people are in my family who have come out on the other end stronger than ever and extremely prosperous and fruitful. So I just want to share some practical pieces of advice for any of you who may be feeling lost. Again, whether you're in your career and you're just stuck, not sure, not know or sure what you want to do, or you have not entered a career yet and you're just like, what the heck am I doing? So a couple of things may be a little bit repetitive, but this is my list so far. Self-reflection. You need to take the time for self-reflection. You know, like with uh, addicts or alcoholics, you know, they always, the first step of their journey is to admit to themselves and to others that they are an addict, right? Or they have this problem that they are really struggling with that is consuming their life and that is starting to make them hit rock bottom and completely take over, right? So, you know, that's kind of a dramatic example, but self-reflection, you need to take the time to self-reflect. You need to sit with yourself, go somewhere that you can zen out completely in. If that's walking on a treadmill with your headphones in with like just slow background music on and that gets you in the headspace, if that's going for a walk outside in nature, if it's, you know, um, laying in bed or laying on the couch, just completely alone and separate from other people and things, whatever that zen space looks like for you that can totally get you undistracted and have your undivided attention where you can totally think about you um, so you can really reflect and understand on what your personal values are what are your interests excuse me and what are your skills okay and if you if you ask yourselves those questions and you're at a point in your life where you feel so lost that your answers to those questions are I don't know what I value I'm not interested in anything and I don't have any skill sets I do highly encourage you to seek therapy, and I mean that in the most respectful, encouraging way. I still go to therapy. Um, I love it so much. Um, I might not even be really, really struggling, but I still go just to, you know, touch base with my therapist and check in on my well-being, even if things are going really great. So I am a huge therapy advocate, and that's where I'm coming from when I say that. Um, I'm not giving you any medical advice. I am just encouraging you to be open-minded, right? to therapy if you really cannot answer any of those questions about yourself and you're so lost seeking that professional help can potentially really help you to get yourself up off the ground if you're that low and that lost feeling 
Second thing I want to touch base on in this category is the exploration of interest. So kind of expanding on what I just said, try out various activities and explore different interests. You know, if you are able to think of some interests when you ask yourself that question, go play around with those and see which ones really keep you engaged. Um, you know, when I say interest and in, in, in you're not sure about your career path, for example, maybe you're really crafty and artsy, maybe you like music, um, well, go go spend some time doing those things. Go take an art class. Go, go buy some supplies and pick something that you really want to paint or draw. Um, and then do your other thing with music. Go take a guitar lesson or whatever it is that you're passionate about and and which one of those two of your two high interests of art and music do you find more of a connection to? Okay, we'll stick with that one maybe a little bit more and dive deeper with that particular interest, right? And it's okay, guys, to pivot and explore new areas to find fulfillment. So if you love both art and music, there are jobs out there that entail both, right? So do your research and find that. But that's that's the piece that's going um, is missing for a lot of people. They don't have that initiative. They don't have that gusto, that motivation to do that additional research. They're like, yeah, I really like these things. And now what? Right? Like I think a lot of us have that mentality that things are just supposed to drop right in front of right in our laps. Like that's that's not the reality for most of us in the world. You gotta go after and get it. So you need to do research. You gotta explore these things. So once you explore your interests and you kind of latch on to a few things that's a fantastic progression forward. Next is networking and mentorship. So I mentioned previously like how I was able to network and how I um, latched on to my mentors who really guided me in this world. Um, so just knowing the value of networking and connecting with professionals in different fields. So if art and music are things that you are both interested in, who are some people that you look up to? Is it Are, are they celebrities? Okay, maybe... Maybe celebrities are not easy to get a hold of for you to have as a mentor, but do research on that celebrity. I'm sure there's a biography, there's a story or backstory about how Kelsey Ballerini got so famous, right? What? How did she start? You know, I'm just making things up. Taylor Swift, right? She's got documentaries. She's got so much success and fame and um, is wonderful and, you know, for, in my opinion, and is someone that, you know, tons of background information is on like their whole life story so you can read about celebrities and learn about that um, look up books about mentorship all of those things so I do I seek I encourage you to seek out mentors or advisors who can offer career advice if you're in high school listening to this right like go to your guidance office and talk to a guidance counselor that's their job is to prompt you with questions to help you really explore a deeper part of yourself and where your future could lead you Setting small goals. Um, I recommend setting small and achievable goals first, guys, to build that confidence. So the example I just gave you with exploring interest, right? If you're just totally lost with your career and where you even want to go and how you want to even navigate that path of your life, um, if you're a young adult or, you know, teenager, um, and you love art and music, right? Like set small achievable goals. So like I said a minute ago, like if you really – Enjoy those two things. A goal for you would be to take an art class and, you know, speak to somebody who is an artist, like an actual career-based artist, um, and learn from them. That could be your art mentor, right? And same thing for music. Take a 
music class of your liking and speak with the people that host the class and learn something from them. That's a goal that you could achieve and then you just continue to build upon that. And then once you meet these mentors in art and music, you know, set meetings with them, grab lunch with them to learn more and ask more questions. Like small achievable goals are going to build your confidence in going after things that you want and building that ambition and um, achieving success, right? Um... Um, oh, sorry. Professional development opportunities. Guys, the importance of continuous learning and professional development is critical. So I'm going to kind of go into a different realm here. If you already are in a career, um, you really want to be in a, in a place that allows you room to grow in your career. And I know a lot of people in my life that don't have that opportunity in the career that they're currently in and they're just stagnant. They're stuck. Nothing new has happened in five years. They're doing the same thing. And that can deteriorate our mental health tremendously because then we start asking ourselves, like, what what am I doing? Who have I genuinely helped today? And in all reality, you may really be helping people every single day with your quote-unquote stagnant position at, at the moment, right? But you don't feel that fulfillment because it's just like Groundhog Day. And in a previous episode I, with Schedule Mastery, I talked about if we're in the same routine long enough, that can really start to de- deteriorate our well-being and we need to bust out and do new things. So really seek for a career that provides you with professional development opportunities and that is one with teaching in my school district anyways that I have um, a, a beautiful amount of and I am so blessed and so grateful. I've grown tremendously because of these professional development opportunities. Um, and, f- and what professional de- uh, development opportunities are, for those of you who may not know what that means, is um, opportunities for you to put yourself out there, so to speak, um, whether it's taking a, a training course, like a new training course to develop a new skill. So if you work at a, at a bank, um, do they have advancement courses where you can, for free, through their company that you can tap into and learn a new skill set with accounting? And then that would potentially get you a new position in that career and advance your salary. Right? It's like for teaching, my professional development opportunities that my school district offers are, you know, they allow us to travel in state and out of state to present nationally or locally um, on certain topics that we're passionate about. And that is a huge professional development opportunity for me because not only A, Am I able to travel around and spread the love and good news of what teaching strategies are working um, for our building and our department? But also, it's networking, and I get to attend presentations during those trips to learn and grow and take back home with me. So those are just fantastic opportunities. Um, Again, like I said, year eight is what I'm in for teaching right now, and I've done this every single year. So it's really awesome. And we actually have professional development days in our school year we have probably I don't know how many exactly like five or six in a whole school year every year where we don't have students that day like the kids have off school but the teachers go to work and we go to these kind of the same thing like we just go to our district we go to a certain school building and we get to attend sessions and learn and grow so we don't get paid to do that that's just part of our um, job position but I think it's great. It's opportunities for us to grow and do new things in our careers so that we don't face that stagnant, boring feeling, right? Um, networking groups and community. I suggest that you join professional networking groups or online communities, right? Like social media is 
amazing in so many ways. And you can search on Facebook, for example, just support groups for accounting careers, teaching careers, blah, 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 right? Like there are so many things that you can join and search for. Um, If you are a spiritual or a very faith-based person, you know, there are small groups in churches that have networking groups and communities that you can join. Um, Like they have, you know, young married couples groups. So you're literally with people like you if you are a young new married couple and you guys can share things and network together and talk about anything and career being one of those. And you just never know who you're going to meet. Truly, you could meet somebody in the grocery store that is a complete stranger. They help you do something. You connect, you learn something about them and you're like, oh my gosh, light bulb. Let's stay in touch. Like you you have the job that I want someday. Like can I reach out to you in the future, right? So just being open to networking, meeting new people, and um, putting yourself out there. So if you're an introvert and, and meeting new people gives you anxiety, I understand that now because I feel like I'm more of that kind of a person today um, as opposed to the extrovert that I have been for many, many years. I get that anxiety feeling, but – Again, you have to put the work in. At some point, you've got to get out of your comfort zone and you've got to put yourself in situations that will promote you um, into future growth. Seeking guidance from career counselors. So I kind of mentioned that a little bit earlier. Like if you're in high school, definitely take advantage of your guidance counselors. Speak with them. If you're totally lost, tell them that and they will prompt you. They will help you get you on a path that you can start setting small goals and building that confidence in. So seek guidance from career counselors. If you are not in high school and you are a young adult, maybe in college, speak to your advisor. Speak to general advising in college so that you can learn more and have questions asked of you. If you already are in a career and you're just not happy, um, seeking guidance from people that are doing what you may be interested in doing next. Right, So I've kind of already said a few of these things, but depending on what stage of life you're in and um, what you're feeling, it'll look a little bit different. Last few things, accepting change and being adaptable. Guys, change is inevitable in everybody's career journey. Whether you are like me when you were in high school looking for a new job, college, trying to stay afloat, making money, or in your dream job, um, or just career in general, right? Like, Change is inevitable. Things are going to happen. And change is good. A lot of us don't like change. We like, you know, the stagnancy of doing the same thing over and over again. And um, though there are pros to that, there are also a lot of cons in our personal development and growth. So, um, you know, be open to change. And when that change comes, try to be calm about it. Ask questions when you have them. And like I said, you just never know what, a new thing or new person can do for you and where those things can propel you if you're open to it. Building a support system. So not only with mentorship, but also with your friends and family, like communicate with your friends and family. That was a big conversation that my husband and I always had. Like when we first started dating, when I always wondered like, Oh, like I don't really, I never really saw him go after a career or, you know, he talked to me about his passions, but like, I never really saw him when we first started dating do anything to get him in that position to go after that career. He still was a hard worker and very disciplined and made money and did what he needed did what he needed to do at the time of his life, but like 
the conversations of passion that we were having of him chasing his dreams were so powerful and fulfilling and beautiful. And then I just didn't see action behind it. So it made me ask him like, why are you not taking initiative? Why are you not going after these things? I don't understand. And through the years we just learned and that's kind of where we opened up. And as we were dating each other, like my family was very ambitious going after all these things. They were always educating me about going after my dreams and he claimed that he just didn't have that or not not only like just in family members but friends like he didn't have people in his life that were showing him and telling him like do this this and this and you know so he just didn't he didn't know what to do right and that is not knocking his family at all they're amazing human beings that's just the conversations that he and I have had and that makes total sense right like you may have grown up in an environment that you know, nurtured you, took care of you, made sure you were fed, clothed, you know, supported your athletics and did all these amazing things like his family did, which is incredible. That's, that's what matters. Right. Um, but maybe they just didn't have those conversations with you and asked about your future and, you know, wanted to invest in that right away. And that's okay. You know, I, again, just had a family that, was constantly in my ear and challenging me and questioning me. And so that's that's why I was the way I am. And so that, that may be you. And there's nothing wrong with that if you didn't have that type of support system or just that type of people around you. But you can you are in charge of getting those people around you. So, you know, like my husband, all of my girlfriends, like I am – I literally had 20 bridesmaids in my wedding. Like all of my girlfriends are really ambitious and – are very successful and have gone after what they wanted and their husbands, um, a lot of their husbands are like that too. So it's like, you know, when my husband and I started dating and he was now around these people that I was around, he got this new sense of like fulfillment and like, okay, like now I get it. I see it. And, you know, we had those actionable conversations and he made those efforts and now he started his own company and I just could not be more proud of him. Right. So that's just a shortened version of it. But Build a support system. Like, you are responsible for building that support system. You can't just expect things to fall in your lap. You've got to talk about things. Realize maybe that you don't have anything really powerful around you right now. Put that out in the universe. Like, tell a friend that you feel that way. And then we can get you around the right people, right? But if you don't talk about it and you don't um, have that reality check, like, things aren't going to be changing much for you. And that kind of does lead into the very last thing of this final segment. If, if you're feeling lost in life right now with your career, is just taking action. You need to take proactive steps, guys, rather than just waiting for clarity. Sometimes it is good to chill and wait. You know, I love my mom says this quote to me all the time. If you don't know what to do, don't do anything at all. And there is a lot of beauty to that. That has served me very well in my life, right? Because I'm very impulsive personally and I like to make things happen and I like to take action and take initiative. Um, But sometimes the truth is I do it too quickly and um, things don't pan out the way that I envision them to, right? So if I don't truly know what to do, like if I don't have that gut feeling of like, yep, that's what needs to happen next and I'm just still kind of in gray area with something, she's really brought me peace with that statement. Like, then just don't do anything yet. Wait for a little bit of clarity to come to you. Good things take time, right? So there is beauty to that. Um, But 
desperate times call for desperate measures too. So like depending on where you're at in life with your career, if you're like desperate for a job, um, waiting for clarity for too long could make things bad for you or worse. So um, I would encourage you maybe take a couple of days to just see how things pan out. But clarity is not going to come to you guys if you don't do any work either. So you can still sit and self-reflect and take notes and journal about things that you're interested in, right? If you're kind of in those beginning steps of figuring out what you want to do in general for a career, you need to self-reflect, right? That first thing I said. And then you can kind of let clarity come to you after a couple of days. But, you know, doing one thing and taking one step and then taking a week off to see if something comes to you, I, I would highly encourage to not get in a consistent pattern of doing that. Um, you need You need to be proactive. And if you don't know what to do, ask questions. That's the best thing you can do if you don't know what to do is ask questions. Find somebody that you see is successful and your definition of successful may be different than mine. I kind of defined mine in the very beginning of this episode. I feel very successful in my life because I've accomplished all of the goals that I've wanted to and I have future goals that I'm aiming for still, right? Um, Money does not necessarily mean success to me. I'm a teacher for God's sakes. It's clear I don't make a lot of money. Um, And me getting my doctorate is still not going to get me hardly any extra money in my teaching career. And that's not why I'm getting my doctorate, right? But my definition of success is doing something that makes me happy, fulfilled, um, makes me feel like I'm contributing to society in one way or another. I'm helping people and I come home more joyful than not at the end of a long work day because I love what I do. That is success to me when it comes to occupational health. Um, And so it's, you know, you got to think about those things of what, what, what are things that can make you happy, experiment, learn, and take risks to move forward and, and set those goals for yourself. Being proactive, guys, and taking action often leads to that clarity that you need and a clearer sense of direction. So... That is all I have for you today. Um, Tune in to the Level Up segment for some final pieces of wisdom and actionable advice generally from this entire episode, not just for if you're someone that is lost. And I appreciate you diving into occupational health today. As we wrap up, I want to leave you with our Level Up segment containing five pieces of advice distilled from our discussions. Number one, define your ambition. Take the time to clearly define your career ambitions. What drives you? What are your passions? Having a clear vision will guide your journey. Number two, embrace challenges as growth opportunities. Challenges are not roadblocks, but stepping stones to growth. Embrace them, learn from them, and use them as opportunities to evolve, both personally and professionally. Number three, continuous learning is key. The world is ever-changing, and so are we. Cultivate a mindset of continuous learning. Seek out new knowledge, skills, and experiences to stay relevant and adaptable. Number four, navigating the lost moments. Feeling lost is a natural part of the journey. When it happens, engage in self-reflection, explore new interests, and seek guidance from mentors. Remember, it's okay to pivot and recalibrate your path. And number five, well-being is the true measure of success. In the pursuit of career goals, never lose sight of your overall well-being. 
Success isn't just about professional achievements. It's about achieving the highest degree of physical, mental, and social well-being. Remember guys, your journey is unique and there's no one-size-fits-all approach to success. Take these pieces of advice as guiding principles, adapt them to your context, and continue to chart your course toward a fulfilling and prosperous future. Thank you once again for being here. Your presence adds depth and meaning to this podcast community. If you found value in today's exploration, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Your support is the heartbeat of this podcast. Also, I'm eager to hear from you. Reach out via email or Instagram to share your thoughts, feedback, or suggest topics that you'd love to explore together. Your input shapes the future episodes of the After Contract Hours podcast. Until next time, take care, stay inspired, and keep evolving. Your well-being matters, and within it, you hold the extraordinary power to shape a life of purpose and fulfillment, which I am by your side for every step of the way. See you next week.